0: Hello everyone, this is the CircuitPython weekly meeting for January 23rd, 2023. My name is Tim and I am sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. Uh, CircuitPython is a version of Python that's designed to run on tiny computers called microcontrollers. The CircuitPython development is primarily sponsored by Adafruit, so if you want to support Adafruit and CircuitPython, consider purchasing hardware from adafruit.com. This meeting is hosted on the Adafruit Discord server. You can join anytime by going to adafru.it slash discord. Uh, we hold the meeting in the CircuitPython dev text channel as well as the CircuitPython voice channel. This meeting typically happens on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern time, 11 a.m. Pacific time, except when that coincides with a US holiday. In the notes doc, there's a link to a calendar that you can view online or add to your favorite calendar app. We also send notifications about the upcoming meetings via Discord, so if you'd like to receive those notifications, ask to be added to the CircuitPythonistas role on Discord. There's a notes document that accompanies the meeting and the recording. The notes document contains timestamps to go along with the video, so you can use that to view only the parts of the video that interest you most. The meeting tends to run 45 to 60 minutes, so that gives you a chance to skip around. Uh, After each meeting, we post a link to the next meeting's notes document in the CircuitPython dev channel on the Adafruit Discord. Uh, You can always check the pinned messages throughout the week to find the latest notes document linked inside there. You can add your notes uh, at any point throughout the week that you like. If you wish to participate, but you can't attend, uh, you can leave hug reports and status updates in the document and the host will read those for you uh, when the time comes during the meeting. This meeting is held in five parts. The first part is community news. This is a look at all things CircuitPython and Python on hardware in the community. It's a preview of the micro, uh, excuse me, a preview of the Python on Microcontrollers newsletter. The second part is the state of CircuitPython, the libraries, and Blinka. That one is a statistical overview of the entire project. It's a chance to look at the project by the numbers separate from what we're all up to. The third part is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is an opportunity to highlight the good things that folks are doing, take the time to recognize awesome folks in our community and beyond. Uh, And Hug Reports will be the first of our two round robins. Um, So that's where we'll go down the list of folks as they appear in the notes document for that one. Uh, Same thing for Status Updates, that's our second round robin. Status Updates is an opportunity to sync up on what you've been up to. Take a couple of minutes to talk about what you've been doing in the past week uh, and what you expect to be doing in the next week until the next meeting. The fifth and final part of the meeting is called In the Weeds. In the Weeds is an opportunity for more long-form discussions. These discussions could come out of Status Updates or they could be things identified ahead of time as too long for Status Updates. So that covers how the meeting will go. Uh, so next up, we will look at the community news for this week. And let me take the first timestamp here. So that and uh, first item in community news this week is, uh, we have hit a milestone of 400 CircuitPython libraries. Uh, This week CircuitPython hit a huge milestone. There are now 400 libraries available uh, for CircuitPython. That includes the Adafruit libraries uh, as well as the community contributed libraries. Uh, The 400th library was contributed by derbroder 71 It was a UUID4 library. Uh, Oh, I I think that's the uh, GitHub username. It must be derbroder 71 And then it looks like the name Tudor is here as well. So thank you to Uh, That person. Um, They submitted their first pull request and contribution, uh, and thank you to everyone of course who has contributed anything to any of the libraries. Uh, We would not um, be at 400 without the help from everyone, so thank you to everybody for working on that. Um, The next item in the newsletter is a uh, new video that was published this week called Troubleshooting CircuitPython and More. Uh, this is a video that covers troubleshooting the CircuitPython installation uh, as well as board and MU issues. Uh, it's a guide for new students. Um, this is a video put out by Professor Gallagher, uh, who some of you may know, a prominent community member. Um, so, this walks you through several of the you know, most uh, likely reasons that your project or device may not be working how you're expecting uh, and shows you how to solve those. So, that was a really great resource um, to see made available. Uh, Next up is a tiny MicroPython robot, uh, Meet Smars Mini, Uh, the smallest robot that uh, maker Kevin McClear has ever made. Has two motors and a laser time of flight sensor to detect objects. It uses a Pimeroni Tiny 240, or 2040 I should say, uh, board that is programmed in MicroPython. There are links to learn more about that as well as a photo in the notes doc if you're interested, uh, to Twitter as well as a link. Uh, From Kev's robots. And the uh, last newsletter item for today that's in uh, the notes for this meeting at least is a project called Open Muscle. Open Muscle is a project that's designed to provide biometric machine learning training data for use in prosthetic technologies. It uses an ESP32S2 with a Hall effect sensor uh, and MicroPython. There are links there to a Twitter thread thread, as well as uh, the GitHub project and a YouTube video that explains um, what's going on there. So that was a pretty intriguing project. So check that out if you're at all interested in um, prosthetics or even just uh, using microcontrollers to uh, assist in um, health and fitness and things like that. Um, So that was all of the items uh, in the notes here for the newsletter, but let me wrap up by telling you a bit more about that newsletter. Uh, The CircuitPython Weekly Newsletter is a community-run newsletter that's emailed every Tuesday. The complete archives are available uh, at adafruitdaily.com. It highlights the latest Python on hardware-related news from around the web, including CircuitPython, Python, and MicroPython developments. To contribute your own news or projects, you can edit next week's draft on GitHub. There's a link to that in the notes doc. Uh, you can submit a pull request there if you'd like. Uh, you can also tag a tweet with hashtag CircuitPython on Twitter, or you can email to cpnews at adafruit.com. Next up is uh, the state of CircuitPython, the libraries, and Blinka. So I will read the uh, overall section to start with here. I am stand for that. So overall this week we had uh, 31 pull requests merged by 16 authors. A uh, couple of names that are highlighted here as perhaps newer uh, folks or folks that don't contribute as frequently. Uh, Maschun, let's see, Machoon uh, Mark Magukin, uh, Real BB, and Der 71. So, thank you to all of those folks as well as everyone else who is a more uh, frequent or uh, recent contributor. Um, For those uh, 31 pull requests from those 16 authors, we had five reviewers. So thank you to all of our reviewers. Looks like uh, the relatively normal list of folks there. Um, And uh, rounding it out, we had uh, 25 closed issues by nine people with 15 issues that were opened by 14 people. Um, So that's it for the uh, overall stats. Uh, Scott, are you available to tell us about the core this week? Totally, can you hear me?
1: Yes. Sweet, okay, stats for the core. We had 10 pull requests merged from seven different authors. Uh, m- <laughs> I'm gonna butcher this. Mate Maciek is new, uh, but doing some bitmap tool stuff that's great. Um, Dave Putz is back to do some fixes along with Jay Posada 2020, and Retired Wizard are all like relatively new folks. Uh, we had two reviewers, Dan and I. Um, as always, we're looking for more reviewers. Um, I saw some newer reviewers on the library side, so thank you for that as well. Uh, we have 22 open pull requests. A number of those are drafts. Um, so as always, if you're involved in any of those that have been uh, kind of stopped or, or not moving forwards, please take a look and see if you, now's the time. Uh, we have six, six closed issues by five people and four open by four people, so we're net down two, which is great, and we have a number of people involved in that as well. Uh, we have 591 open issues. We have six of those that are open on the 8.0 milestone. Uh, a number of those I think we're waiting for responses, so um, if you're uh, working on an 8.0 or issue, please check on that as well. We do want to get to a release candidate hopefully this week. Um, so that we can get 8.0 out the door, we've got we've started having discussions about new features for 8.1, um, which I just added a milestone after these stats were taken for, and then we also have issues uh, bug fixes for 8xx as well, um, and I think that's it for the core. All right, thank you, Scott.
0: Uh, next mm-hmm. up, I will send it over to Katni. Can you tell us about the libraries for this week?
2: Uh, yes, I can. So, this section applies to all of the CircuitPython libraries, which is everything in the community bundle, as well as uh, everything that starts with Adafruit underscore CircuitPython underscore. Um, this week we had 18 pull requests merged from eight different authors, including a couple of the new folks that were already identified. And um, of those merged pull requests, four of them were 21 days or older, all the way up to uh, 87 days. So, that's really excellent. We've had four. This week, um, much older pull requests merged, so I'm glad to see we're still getting through a lot of that. And that leaves us with 43 open pull requests. Uh, we had 17 issues closed by five people and eight opened by seven people, leaving us with 600 open issues. 84 of those are labeled good first issue. If you're interested in contributing to CircuitPython on the Python side of things, check out circuitpython.org contributing. You'll find all of this information and more, including a list of the open pull requests, and a list of open issues. If you're interested in reviewing, check out the list of open pull requests. If you have the hardware, test it. If you don't, take a look at the code, let us know if you see anything, uh, syntax, spelling, that sort of thing. Um, Leave a comment on the pull request and let us know that you did that. That's always super helpful. And once you're comfortable with that, we can talk about leveling you up to the review team. If you're interested in contributing uh, code or documentation, check out the open issues. Uh, Find something that speaks to you, and uh, leave a comment, let us know you're working on it, and we're always available to help. If you're new to everything, Good First Issue is a great place to start. We have a guide on contributing to CircuitPython using Git and GitHub, and we are always available on Discord to help you out. So don't let the process intimidate you. We want to make sure you can contribute in a way that works for you. Uh, In terms of uh, PyPI weekly download stats, we had uh, 100,554 PyPI downloads over 306 libraries and below that is listed the top 10 libraries. Um, again, as usual, the, the top three or four are pretty typical, um, but it's always interesting to look at the bottom, bottom half of that top 10 because it seems to change out quite a bit. In terms of library updates in the last seven days, uh, the new library we have is uh, CircuitPython UUID 4 uh, by darebroder71, and a number of updated libraries as well, which I will not list off. Um, overall, we reached 400 CircuitPython libraries, this number includes both circuit pi- community bundle libraries and Adafruit CircuitPython libraries. The 400th uh, library was a community library, CircuitPython UUID4, authored and submitted by Tudor, who goes by darebroadr71 on GitHub and Discord. This is an exciting milestone for us, especially with the 400th library being a community library. We're continuing to evolve how we include community libraries in our ecosystem, including learn guides, the library reports, and more. For example, we just updated the... This report to include Adafruit and community library updates in the same list. And as the community continues to grow, we will as well. So thank you to everybody who contributed for that. And um, that's what I've got.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Katni. Always great to hear about the latest goings on in the library world. Uh, next up, I will pass it over to uh, Melissa if you could tell us about Blinka.
3: Yeah, uh, Blinka is our CircuitPython compatibility layer for. Um, MicroPython, Raspberry Pi, and other single board computers. And um, this week we had three pull requests merged by three authors and three reviewers. There are currently nine open pull requests, and there was two closed issues by two people and three open by three people, leaving a net of 89 open issues. There were 23,290 Pi PA downloads, in the last week, and there were 8,862 PyWheels downloads in the last month, and uh, we are currently at 101 boards.
0: Awesome, thanks, Melissa. Yes. Next up is gonna be the first of our two round robins. This will be the Hug Report section. Uh, hug reports is a chance to highlight folks in the Circuit Python community and beyond for doing awesome things. I'll start, and then we'll go down the list alphabetically, or however they appear in the notes doc, uh, which is hopefully pretty close. But we'll just follow the doc no matter what. Uh, that will give everyone a chance to participate. If you're text-only or missing the meeting, but you have hug reports in the notes document, then I will read them off uh, once it's your turn. So hug reports for me this week. Uh, thank you to uh, Bablock B, who worked on some fixes inside Blinka Game Display IO, Pygame Display, as well as some discussion uh, with me in an issue comments back and forth about the uh, API for that library. Uh, this person also made some sort of related uh, fixes in Blinka and Blinka Display IO uh, as well. So thank you to them for all of their work. Um, Hug report to Mate Machek uh, for working on new functionality for the bitmap tools module in the core uh, to be able to draw polygons inside bitmaps. Hug uh, report for Jose David for jumping back into the fray of display IO uh, widgets and things as well as typing uh, issues for the libraries, uh, and then a group hug for everybody as well. Um, to me, I forgot to take a timestamp for myself, but I'll uh, take one for the next one, which is uh, C Grover, who's text only, and C Grover has a group hug for everybody. Uh, next up, then, is uh, Dan.
4: Okay, thanks. Um, so, thanks to MicroDev, who's working on ESP now support for the Espressive uh, boards. Um, it's a draft right now and is in churn, but it looks like we could probably get it in for some eight. XX release after 800. ESP now is this, pro- I don't know what will call it proprietary, but it's an espressive uh, protocol that lets um, espressive chips talk to each other directly without using a router. So kind of maybe like um, BLE advertising or something. I'm not really sure how it works, whether it's like, I think it's UDP ish, but. Uh, it's worth, it, it's interesting, a lot of people have asked, asked for this because it's much easier to get going than setting up a Wi-Fi network. So we'll, we'll continue to look at that. And Microdev's work is based on some previous work that other people have done, but uh, he's like getting it into shape for CircuitPython, which we really appreciate. And then thanks to Data, who has been doing a lot of testing of expressive Wi-Fi issues. And um, I really appreciate that because the testing is really thorough and we're making progress trying to track down what's actually wrong here. Okay.
0: All right, thanks, Dan. Uh, Next up is David Glada, who's not present, so I will read. Uh, They have a hug report for John Park uh, for presenting uh, and Paint Your Dragon for adding support for more joysticks uh, in the RP2040 NES emulator. Um, Not strictly CircuitPython, but was related to David's uh, 2023 CircuitPython post. Uh, Next up is DJ Devin. Thank you.
5: I have a hug for FoamyGuy for hosting the meeting and for your weekly streams. Always learn something and a group hug. Excellent. Thanks, DJ Devin. Uh, Next up is Jeff. Hi. So I wanted to start off by thanking two friends of mine, Chris and
6: Seb, for a week-long in-person hackfest on Chris's CNC lathe. Uh, They're not in the CircuitPython community, but I wanted to thank them here anyway and kind of use that as an explanation of why I was away. Uh, A hug for you, Melissa. I hope you're recovering well. And last of all, a group hug.
0: All right. Thank you, Jeff. Next up is Jose David, who is text only. Uh, Jose has a hug report for. TechTrick for the improvements done in the Display.io Cartesian library uh, That after Jose's deep sleep he's just found out this week uh, and also more recently taking the time to review the data sheet for the LIS 3DH sensor uh, and then a head report uh, to me. Uh, thanks for all your hard work. So uh, thank you to Jose for those. Uh, next up is Catney.
2: Hello. First up, I've got a hug report for Techtrick for updating the library report to combine the community libraries with the AidFruit specific libraries in the library update section. To DAREBROADER71 for submitting the 400th CircuitPython library and for it being their first contribution to CircuitPython project and their first PR to the project as well. Um, a group hug to everyone who has contributed to the CircuitPython libraries in any way. Hitting this milestone couldn't have happened without all of your support. Uh, with everything from authoring to reviewing to filing issues and finding bugs to documentation et cetera, it's all super crucial um welcome back to melissa also welcome back to jose david uh another hug report for Tectric for blowing out my inbox with library updates um also sending well wishes to Tectric and his partner and a speedy recovery to his partner um everything's good but they had a medical situation um this past weekend um and a group hug to the community.
0: All right, thank you, Ketney. Uh, next up is Maker Melissa.
3: Hello, um, I wanted to give a group hug, or I mean, i give a hug to Dan for uh, taking care of reverting the code.secretpython.org PR, which apparently broke it while I was gone, Um, to uh, Fumaguy and Tectric for responding to some blanket issues and PRs, and a group hug to everyone, else who uh, took care of things while I was out for surgery last week.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Melissa. Next up is uh, Mark Gambler, who's lurking, so I'll read. Uh, Mark Gambler has a hug report to Tanute for gathering uh, for gathering together the posts and then as well for everyone who posted a CircuitPython 2023 post. Uh, Mark enjoyed reading all of the varied responses and a group hug to all as well from Mark. Uh,
5: next up is microdev. Let's see, would you like to read yours microdev? Or I can. I'll read I think. Microdev has a uh, group hug to
0: everyone. Uh, next up is TC Franks. Um, TC Franks I think is... Not in the channel here, yeah. So I will read uh, TC Franks. Uh, they have a hug report to Tetrick and Foamy Guy for patiently coaching me through uh, my first 100 PRs. Wow, that's amazing uh, to hear. Um, uh, a hug to Tetric for encouraging me to register and complete a successful Hacktoberfest. Uh, and a hug report to the community for patience and excellence. Uh, that's all great stuff to hear. So thank you to TC Franks for leaving that. Uh, and next up is Scott.
1: Hello! Uh, first, I have a hug to Retired Wizard for switching the IMX RT to the low power RTC interface, which means it should keep the time uh, when uh, using the low power uh, power input. Um, hug report to Dave Putz for improving the NRF next reset process. Um, hug report to Zodius Infuser from Pimeroni for the interesting native IO expander draft PR that they have for a board that they're working on. Um, Thank you so much for checking in early about that. Um, Glad we could give you some feedback. Um, Hug report to FoamyGuy for testing and reviewing all of the Wiznet changes. There's been a ton and it's been really helpful for you to uh, do that. Um, and then a new face here, uh, G. Neverof. Uh Thank you for the good async discussion last week. Excited to see the brainstorming on it and excited to see what comes of it. So that's it for me. All right. Thank you, Scott. And that rounds out
0: our Hug Report section. So next up, we'll move on to the second of our two round robins, the Status Updates section. Status updates is our time to sync up on what we're doing. Uh, I will start and then we'll go through the list alphabetically, or again, as they appear in the notes doc, uh, It will give everyone a chance to participate. When I call on you, you can take a couple of minutes. Tell us about what you've been doing since last week's meeting um, and what you will be doing until next week's meeting. Uh, It's an opportunity for you to provide tips and tricks relevant to what people are working on. If a discussion does become too much for status updates, then we can move it down to the in the weeds section. So I will start out the status updates. So for uh, last week, I uh, tried out hooking up the uh, an iSpy display, I should say, and using display.io to draw on it. Um, and that went all pretty well. Didn't have any issues with that. So it's great to see kind of another um, another option out there for hooking up displays to your projects. Um, I started implementing bitmap tools for i o uh, So that's a module that we have in the core that's capable of Uh, drawing and manipulating bitmaps in various uh, ways, Um, but we don't currently have Blinka implementation, so if you wrote code that uses it, then it won't necessarily be portable today. Uh, But I've started working on that so that uh, hopefully one day in the future it will be. Um, I tested some changes in Blinka DisplayIO Pygame Display. Um, There was uh, specifically a really nice Change that Bablock B submitted that allows uh, that library to bring back the auto refresh functionality, which kind of got butchered with um, a recent update um, where I kind of got rid of it to resolve an issue that came up with threading. But uh, there was actually a much better solution that allows it to keep its auto refresh functionality. So um, that was really awesome. Um, uh, I also figured out how to use the uh, deep sleep and pin alarm wake up functionality in conjunction with the MagTag library. Um, I wasn't quite sure exactly how to do that. I figured it would be possible. Somebody had asked about this in uh, Discord over the weekend, um, so I took that and uh, grabbed my MagTag, figured out a way to do that, and then submitted a uh, PR to document it and add a, an example so folks hopefully can find that in the future. Um, for next week, uh, and a couple of things that I've started today, um, I'll be Brainstorming uh, and starting to try out some ideas for a library that will provide a consistent uh, game controls button API across different devices Um, So different devices could have different pins different numbers of buttons um, things like that, but ideally we want to have a way to write a game that would run on all of them and um, not have to care too much about like the fact that they have different pins or anything like that for at least the most basic game controls like d-pad and um, you know, A, B, start, select, that sort of stuff. So um, that'll be something I look into. Um, I will be trying out the, uh, the remaining uh, PR that's in the Ethernet library. There's one more sort of major one. I think there's a smaller one there as well that I'll look into also. But there's one sort of uh, a meatier one there um, for this week that I will get to. And then uh, another thing which I have uh, started today but not made it through all of them yet is reading the uh, CircuitPython 2023 posts. Um, so I've seen lots of great stuff in all of those so far. And I will finish them up this week. Uh, so next up, I will send it over to Dan.
4: Okay, thanks. Okay, so uh, since the last meeting, mostly I've been trying to work on 8.00 bugs. Um, we have some several people who have network crashes, which happened after many hours of the network running. Um, and I've been trying to reproduce those, not really successfully. Uh, we talked about this in internal meaning just uh, uh, today, and we probably would like to make it easier for you not to fall into, to recover from what would, from falling into safe mode in certain situations. So even if something goes horribly wrong, you can, your program can continue can restart. So uh, we've, and we will try to do something like that, like post 800. So you'll have more, be able to write more robust stuff, even in the presence of software errors that might send you into safe mode. Um, and then another thing that I just started is that we are using the ESP-IDF uh, version 4.4, but we we're behind on it because we have our own fork to fix some bugs that weren't fixed un- upstream. And uh, I'd like to bring that forward to see if it fixes any of the existing Wi-Fi problems or the ESP32S3 um, I2C problems. So I'll test that out. And we should probably just move forward in general because there are a bunch of interesting bug fixes there, which may be fixing bugs that we don't know we have. And I will continue to review uh, a bunch of PRs that that passed by way that we've got a bunch. I spent a lot, I spend a more amount of time working on PRs, reviewing PRs, which is great because it means we have a lot of contributors. Okay, thank you.
0: All right, thanks, Stan. Uh, next up is David Glauda, who's not present, so I will read. Uh, there's our broken down into CircuitPython and non-CircuitPython. So on the CircuitPython side of things, Uh, Convinced a coworker to acquire one or two uh, CPE, I think that's uh, Circuit Playground Express, the 4H version of that device, to build a mouse jiggler, Um, and his girl could learn STEM with it. Uh, Connected my C64 keyboard to a Pico using Red Robotics Pico-to-Pi adapter, and spent hours with the pen and key mapping uh, to be continued this week. yeah, to have something working and maybe a vice uh, slash PC mapping or vice plus PC mapping, it says there. Uh, for non CircuitPython specific stuff, David writes, uh, replicated the NES emulator with an RP2040 connected to HDMI and a PS4 joystick. Uh, received my Alimax Aegon Lite 2, az Eighty Eight 8-bit computer. Tested the VGA output on that, as well as tested eight different USB keyboards. Uh, Only three are PS2 compatible, and out of those three, only one is QWERTY, uh, which is uh, less than or equal to um, the number that it looks like David would like. So, sounds like David's on the lookout for some additional keyboards, perhaps. Um, Next up is DJ Devon 3
5: Thank you. Uh, there's been more progress on the TR cowbell enclosure. I'm printing. Uh, printing in sections is starting to get tedious because there's four sections and s- because the bed is shorter than the entire board. Uh, I'm looking into bed extension parts for the Ender 3 S1 Pro. Uh, there's currently nothing available for it. Um, the most popular sites don't have anything for it yet, uh, and it, it has to be specific for the S1 Pro because it's it's designed different. It's got this big shell, and it's 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 completely it's completely different than the S1 or the Ender Three Pro. It's like this whole it's a whole own thing. Um, but the plan is to make the bed nine inches by two feet long, uh, and I've already sourced most of the parts for that. So um, it's just going to be the uh, getting over hurdles of. Calculating acceleration, inertia. Uh, I even found a bed heating element that's um, 8 by 9 by 18. So you can get heating elements in these ridiculous custom sizes. Um, I finished printing section 3 of 4, and everything finally fit great. So that one is, like, completely done. Moving on to section number 4. And I finally got a PI 4B, or PI 4, one of the PI 4s uh, at a fair price in order to run Octoprint so that if I, a print does fail, I can monitor it and it might automatically catch it. I think that's how Octoprint works. I don't know. I'm still kind of new to the whole 3D printing stuff, but I heard that that might help uh, some fail prints. So that's where I'm at with that. Nice. Thank you,
0: DJ Devin. Uh, next up is Jeff.
6: Hello. I, I just marvel at how much you bite off, uh, DJ Devin. You're, you're an inspiration. Um, so thanks for all that. Anyway, but I also need to find my notes. So as I covered, I was out last week. Uh, this week is starting with some catching up. I've got more email to get through. Um, I have just one item of guide feedback uh, that I need to look at. I need to pull a project out and check that the wiring is described accurately in the text and photos. Then, after that, I'm going to finish the next computer's uh, bus mouse guide. I need some text, I need some photos, I need some Fritzing diagrams. And then, uh, after that, later in the week, I plan to move the SPI TFT emulator that I wrote a couple of weeks ago over to Arduino. And I'm just working on a PR to fix the uh, product ID for the Feather S2 reverse TFT. Um, I missed that there was already a PID allocated for it in this internal document that Adafruit maintains. And I allocated a fresh one, and that was incorrect. Um, and that only affected CircuitPython, because that's the only one I did. It didn't affect the Arduino environment or the bootloader. Those are both fine. And that's what I'm up to.
0: All Thanks, Jeff. Uh, next up is Jose David, who is text only, so I'll read. Uh, last week, Jose uh, was working on some small stuff and reviewing changes in the libraries. Uh, done, they've done some updates in uh, CircuitPython personal libraries to be compatible with CircuitPython 7 and 8. Uh, worked on a small house project with an accelerometer connected to a Adafruit Feather ESP32-S3 to detect uh, when the sump pump is working and alert me in Home Assistant. Uh, this week, continue the updating of old CircuitPython libraries. Uh, we'll watch developments in Bitmap Tools Core by Mate Machek and Display.io by uh, Tim, me, uh, and take it from there to implement some add-ons to libraries. Uh, CircuitPy- uh, excuse me, CircuitPython-related slash personal. Uh, work on Adafruit Titano to select a color an LED strip in a color wheel picker in CircuitPython and send it via MQTT to a home assistant to change the color. That certainly sounds pretty cool. Uh,
5: next up is Katni. Hello. So last week uh,
2: we, as a background, we have been updating a lot of our displays to have the iSpy connector, which allows you to connect it to um, a microcontroller or a breakout using a flex cable instead of soldering. Uh, So we need to update the board guide or the display guides. And the plan is to use one template page, um, copy and paste a paragraph into the overview and then add to the um, pinouts page, what pins are necessary uh, for the um, iSpy connection. So uh, the iSpy template is started. It's probably 90% done. The overview text uh, update is completed and approved. And I blogged up a guide update. Um, So this week, finish the final section in the iSpy template, um, get approval on that. Once approved, update one guide. Um, That's the guide I'm going to update is the 1.5 inch 240 by 240 TFT, which includes the 1.3 inch 240 by 240 TFT. And then I'm going to be splitting up the rest of the updates with Liz. And I'm still considering um, completing my uh, Circuit Python 2023 post, uh, but it's very late. So unrelated, I got three new plants this weekend. They're air plants, which means they don't need or want soil. Um, the two larger ones are uh, Tillandsia stricta. They have little cup-like hairs on their leaves called trichomes, which, uh, and to water them, you soak the, uh you soak many of the Tillandsia plants in um, water for 30 minutes once per week. There's also a super tiny one that um, it I posted an image to the chat. Um, the little tiny one on the right is a uh, Tillandsia technor- tectorum, which has significantly more trichomes. It actually looks like fur on the leaves. And you only soak that one for a few minutes. Um, my two Stricta plants already have magenta bits on them that will eventually bloom. Um, one of them is already starting to bloom. There are little white flowers on it. Um, and I am inordinately excited about these new plants. So we'll see how it goes. They need a lot of light and the specific watering schedule. And, um, I'm limited on, on both. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, fingers crossed. Anyway, that's
0: me.
5: Alrighty. Thank you, Katni. Fascinating stuff. Uh, next up is maker Melissa. Hello, uh, so, I, uh, since
3: I was out for, um, Tuesday through Friday, I missed the CircuitPython meeting last week, so this is for the last two weeks, um, I was out for surgery and reco- uh, stem recovery, uh, still recovering though, um, anyway, I worked on the CircuitPython installer, and it's in a pretty good place now, uh, although I'm running into some course issues with the firmware and bootloader uh, at least for testing. Uh, I believe that at least for the UF2 and bin files, it should be easy to get around uh, once the code is live because the because if the download.circuitpython.org domain uh, doesn't work, we can at least use uh, the Amazon S3. Um, and I know that does. Uh, the tiny UF2 bootloader will be a little trickier though because I think uh, we'll need uh, to add some GitHub action so it's uploaded to S3. Get around the course issues uh, apparently there is an issue with the code editor uh, with a pr uh while it's gone and i'll take a closer look at that uh let's do one of my changes broke it so this week i'm gonna do re- i'm doing lots of catching up uh including going over guide feedback and i need to chat with brent and lauren about uh the whipper snapper installer not working for some folks and I need to try and get another PRN for the code editor. Uh, I need to create a JavaScript library that is able to run the CircuitPython repo code. And this will be needed for both the code editor and the CircuitPython installer. And the code to do this was in the code editor PR I made, it just needs to be decoupled and packaged separately. And I need to look at a way to get around the cores issues with the installer. And I need to try making the installer live and see what works and what doesn't. And I just made end up uh, make it so it doesn't show up by default unless you add some parameters so that people aren't running into broken links. So uh, that's where I'm at.
0: All Thank you, Melissa. Next up is Mark Gambler, who's lurking. Uh, Mark Gambler says, I was looking." Uh, let's see, was thinking of looking at Ann B's request in the CircuitPython 2023 post about having native GIF support in CircuitPython. wanted to find out if there was interest in this before I get too far into looking at it. My initial thought was to add support to Display.io for it. Uh, if there is interest, I can take a run at starting it and have more detailed discussions in the weeds in a couple of weeks. Um... So I will just uh, pipe in and say I'm definitely 100% pro a, a GIF implementation. That sounds pretty awesome to me. Um, but uh, next up in the list here, I will send it over to
5: Scott. All right, hello.
1: Um, I need to do the wrap up post for CirclePython23. I know uh, this will miss Katni, but Katni can post to the blog directly if you choose to do that. Um, I fixed an issue with the BLE workflow where if you type Control C over the serial, it doesn't interrupt things, uh, which I was able to test with the new version of Bluefruit Connect. Um, I fixed an RP2040 reset reason issue, which was causing the Pico W to not run the web workflow if, like the first time that you uh, copy CircuitPython over, and then if you added the the settings, it would still not do it. Um, this has to do with how they reset from the bootloader to the regular code. They use a watchdog timer, and we were classifying it as a watchdog problem, even though it's really just a software reset. So I fixed that. Um, the control C work diverted me into updating my Bangle JS2 uh, PR or branch that I have. Basically, it's a, it's a watch that is an NRF52840 um, and it has no USB, so it's all about um, the wireless BLE workflow. Um, so I want to get that in because I have, uh, I just don't want to have to maintain it. I think other people would like to try it. Um, and so I need to do some tests around how you get CircuitPython over. It uses DFU, um, so you'll need, like, the NRF Connect app to do it. But, um, I'll test that. I have a, uh, from the store version of the watch that I'll be able to use as a tester as well. Um, (laughs) Thinking about that work got me, uh, it has an eight color memory display on it, so there are going to be some display I.O. changes for it, and uh, that got me, that and uh, reading a book on my E-Ink tablet got me working, thinking about E-Ink stuff again, one of the pending items on that is uh, working on the ASEP e inks displays, which are, they turn out to be seven color displays, which look pretty neat. pimaroni has got some of them. Um, and so I'm working on adding internal support to CircuitPython for those. Uh, that's kind of the thing I'm working on now. And then I'll like pop the stack off and get back to the bangle.js stuff. Um, but yeah, seven color e-ink support, uh, starting with the 5.65 inch display that I've got on my desk here. Um, I'm ordering the four inch and the seven inch uh, as we speak. And then um, once the JS support is checked in, I'll, I'm going to pick back up on USB host and be off and away, hopefully. Uh, but I should be more available this week uh, as I will be doing less child care during the week.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you, Scott. Um, mm-hmm. And that is the last of our status updates. Um, so next up, we will take it over to the fifth and final section of the meeting in the weeds. Uh, in the Weeds is an opportunity for more long-form discussions. These could either come out of status updates, or they can be identified ahead of time. If you have any In the Weeds topics, please make sure they get added um, down at the bottom of the notes stock. There are a couple there, so we'll start discussing those. If anybody else knows of one, uh, do go ahead and add that now. Um, first In the Weeds topic is from Microdev, who's text only. So I'll read the bullet points here. Uh, Microdev says the IDF version 5 PR, which is 6913, is kind of ready. Uh, the PS RAM boards boot loop. Uh, more importantly, IDF v5.0 adds a bunch of certs, and firmware size is way past uh, 1408K. Consider increasing it to 13, uh, excuse me, to 1536K before CircuitPython 8 to avoid a breaking change. I'm hoping we switch to IDF v5 in version 8.x.x. Uh, If anyone has noticed, the build arm matrix now builds 255, uh, which in hex then is 0xFF boards. The limit is 256. Uh, We'll open up
5: an issue for this. So I will definitely say I don't
0: know really too much about the IDF and that sort of stuff, so I don't have any real sponsor thoughts on that, personally.
1: Well, the the build arm matrix thing is a good catch. Thank you for looking at it, microdev. And then for IDF5, I I would like to still do it in 9, I think. Um, The other thing that we want to pull is a new version of MicroPython. I'm just worried about stability. and i would also like to take a closer look as to why it got bigger um you know this is it it shouldn't keep growing um and so it would be interesting to see why the idf keeps getting bigger and and what we can do about it is is my opinion um if we need to increase it we can always increase it with 9 i don't i'd rather not do it in 8 uh, personally but I think what may happen is we'll do an eight, one, and then we'll do a 9.
5: Um,
1: Dan or Jeff have thoughts about that? I,
4: I, I think that's true, and I think also the thing to say is that once 8 is stable, we'll make point releases on 8, but we can start um, doing 9 developments. So we really will have two working streams then so we can go ahead and start doing the switchover and still have people plenty of people who are willing to try it it doesn't have to be serialized
1: yeah i think i i think the challenge that we have is we're we're limited to having like one stable one and unstable release um kind of in the way that we've structured things so we'll want to wrap up any 8.0 features that, would, that we would want to do as unstable to start before we
4: start doing unstable lines. Well, maybe we need to make it possible to have 8.1 betas or something. I don't know. Something well,
1: not... I mean, it's possible now, but we couldn't also have an, a 9 alpha at the same time.
4: Right. No, I mean, to, to change circuitpython.org so that it'll, it would display. Two yeah, unstable releases. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm a little worried about fracturing where people who use unstable stuff is.
4: That's an interesting idea. Yeah, going
1: because we already know we get a lot more people using the stable releases than unstable. Right. Uh, so I don't know. I I would like to be aggressive with nine. Maybe we, j- yeah. Maybe we make the decision to just. Not do an eight one and do, do only bug fixes to eight oh. I don't know. Yeah, um, we should. We I need to. I need to uh, talk with the microPython folks. We should sync with them so that they get a release like eight twenty or one twenty could be what we incorporate because they're at one nineteen one now. I think.
2: I definitely think if you have something you need to be a beta and you have, you know, 9 as well, that it makes a lot more sense to just put it all in 9. Mm-hmm. Um, because exactly what you said, like, like for me, I wouldn't even know, you know, I'm, I'm deep into this and I wouldn't even know which one I should be testing for what. Right. So I, I, I agree with your, your thoughts on adding it to 9 instead and just going ahead with 9.
1: Right. Because we can do, like... IDF5 and the MicroPython update and call that 9. We don't need to wait to stabilize 9 for
4: anything else. So, right, so we were talking in text, MicroDev, about um, ESP IDF and I moved, I'm not ESP, ESP now, and I moved right. it to 8xx, but we can move it back to 9, but just, you know, we can make it visible a lot sooner. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and Jeff says in the chat that it would be nice if the 9 cycle was shorter than 8. Right. Right. I totally agree with that.
4: I mean, one of the things that I've said, I feel that we have some technical debt in terms of issue backlog, Mm -hmm. and I want things to get fixed instead of moving on to new features all the time. So, um, you know... I'm
1: I'm burned out on fixes, though,
4: I'll tell you that. Yeah, you're burned out, right? (laughs) Especially (laughs) now. But it's also nice to have a release... To be able to say, like, oh, sorry, go back to 7.3.3. And I don't right. like to have to say that.
2: I, I yeah. think it's possible to focus on fixes and also still work on nine. I, I don't yeah. think those are mutually exclusive concepts. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And I think we've done a good job with like 7.3.2 and three, like like having those those bug, fix, bug fixes branched off. It gets a little weird when we do something like safeboat.py. Like, we could just put that at nine.
4: Yeah, we can do Pi in a 9. We can do ESP now in, in, in 9. And yeah. 9 would be a moving target in terms of it. we might not go to 5, ESP IDF 5 right away. We may not do the MicroPython merge right away, but that would all be alpha. There'd be a lot of churn in the alphas. Right. And when the base is sort of more stable, then we can start moving toward betas.
1: Right. And I suspect we'll probably want to do IMXRT kind of like proper support. Where we say call it stable, uh, yeah. in mean nine as well, right, along with
4: the USB host,
5: yeah. Um, right. so my nine may have yeah.
4: even more features than eight, extra features than eight did,
1: yeah. I'd like, to, yeah, so I, I agree we should push to be more aggressive with nine getting stable faster than eight did. I mean, eight got kind of hung up in the holidays, um.
5: And just having me out a lot last year. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, the, yeah,
1: we should, we should, I don't think we should change the flash size for eight, for ESP, um, in prep for IDF5. We'll, we'll deal with that
5: when we get there.
4: Right. Maybe once the base things are changed, maybe, we can, maybe 9 would be a slug. so we're long-lived if most
5: of what we're doing is adding functionality rather than churning the base. So that
4: is, if, if 9.0.0 yeah. contains <laughs> the upstream merge for MicroPython and it includes IDF, ESP IDF 5 and, well, I. MX can be that's kind of
1: that's true. we can do that later.
4: that that could be you know nine or nine zero nine one or something like that.
1: Yeah. right, because the thing that's forcing nine is actually the micropython update because that'll include an MPY version
5: right right. Uh, change Okay, does that make it clearer? <laughs> yeah All right. sounds like we've got
0: uh path forwards pushed mm-hmm. out at least uh, so the other in the weeds topic. I will uh, turn it over to Jeff to talk to us about that one.
6: All right, this is an item that I saw Naradoc bring up here on the Discord, and I just wanted to talk about it while we've got a couple of people who might have opinions. Um, and also, we were talking about an unrelated thing with uh, Watchdog in our internal meeting, so that may inform onto this. Um, so Naradoc, I think this the genesis was a forum post that Naradoc mentioned on Discord. So if on an RP2040 you enable the watchdog, and then you start writing to the CircuitPython drive uh, I think this was from the host, but it could apply either way uh, That's a lengthy process, and you could encounter a watchdog reset during that time, and now your CircuitPython drive is corrupt And obviously that's not good So I had two ideas, I think there are probably other ideas um, we could specifically, during the flash write procedure, make sure that while we're waiting for the flash to erase or write, that we are regularly petting the watchdog so that it doesn't count against, um, you know, count against that timeout and cause a reset. Um, and the other would be to forbid enabling the watchdog if the CircuitPy drive is not fully read-only, which would mean that neither CircuitPython code nor USB uh, mass storage were allowed to write it. Um, and I will create an issue about this after the meeting. Oh, and Naradoc, if you have a link to that uh, forum discussion, um, that would be cool if I was right about where that came from. Uh, anyway, and then I, I have a link in the notes doc back to that brief Discord discussion. It was uh, last week or on the weekend. I'm not sure when exactly that was. So, yeah, thoughts about this um, issue?
1: My thought is to... Manage the watchdog during the flash, right? Um, and this is something I'm actually thinking about myself because the bootloader on the banglejs JS2, I think, uh, sets up the watchdog on the NRF, mm-hmm. and I don't think I can turn it off. So one of the things I've got to figure out in my branch is that I I just like added a watchdog right in like that every time the background task runs, like really aggressive. Um, So that's another thing I've got to look at, but it definitely makes me lean towards the first option, which is like, we need to figure out how to manage the watchdog while we write to the flash. Um, And that could be either user code or like the BLE workflow could be doing that as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah,
6: I mean, there's a tension there between uh, using the watchdog to make sure that your Python code is working, Properly, so if the background task were always calling it, then the watchdog would no longer serve as a check on your Python program as a whole, but it could still be an improvement on the status quo. Uh, So in the text chat, Naradoc clarifies, the forum discussion was only tangentially about that thing. Uh, Naradoc noticed these things when they were uh, kind of testing in the vicinity of this user issue. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess the original thread is probably not useful. But yeah, I... And Unless somebody wants to go a different direction, I will enter an issue asking for like the generic flash write code to pet the watchdog using that that API. I think maybe that will work, um, and I might look at implementing it. But I've got a lot of stuff on my plate that is probably in line before that. So if somebody else wants to pick it up, that would be wonderful. And I probably the RP twenty forty and the Espressif chips are the most important ones to test. Although the other chips. Um, many other, of the other chips have Watchdog. And a couple of you mentioned it's really aggravating that the Watchdog can't be disabled. In the case of RP2040, that's definitely a deliberate hardware design decision that they made. Once you have turned on the Watchdog, you can never turn it off except for when the Watchdog bites, um, which is a little bit frustrating because, yeah, the other option would be to turn it off um, before you do these things. But anyway, um, yeah. So that's what
0: I got, and thank you. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Um, And that was the last of our in the weeds topics. So I will finish it up for us with a wrap up. Um, So uh, this has been the weekly CircuitPython meeting for January twenty third. Thank you to everyone who participated. if, as a reminder, if you want to help support Adafruit and CircuitPython and those of us that work on CircuitPython, consider purchasing hardware from the Adafruit shop at adafruit.com. The video of this meeting will be released on YouTube at youtube.com Adafruit, and the podcast will be made available on major podcast services. Uh, it will also be featured in the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter. You can visit adafruitdaily.com to subscribe to that. The next meeting will occur at the normal time, which is going to be next Monday, uh, January the 30th at 11 a.m. Pacific or 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, The meeting is held on the Adafruit Discord, which you can join at adafru.it slash discord. To be notified about the meeting and any changes to the date or time, you can ask to be added to the CircuitPythonista's role over there on Discord. Um, And that's it for today. We hope to see you all next week. Thank you, everybody.
2: Thanks, everyone.